Welcome to the South Plains Church of Christ podcast. To stay up to date on what's going on and how you can be involved, visit southplains.info. I pray that this message reveals God's truth and love to you today. Let's dive in. Your faith is not based on what you do. Your faith is based on who you know. Paul's writing in this third chapter of this letter to the Philippians, and he tells them, my goal, my goal is to know Jesus. And so in the third chapter of Philippians, Paul reveals the theme of genuine joy, genuine joy, real joy. In it, Paul deals with a group of people who wanted to make faith about something you do. It was a new threat to this congregation, and it was a different group than the one he had dealt with in chapter 1, which was uh, dealing with poor motives from within. This is a threat coming from outside, from a group claiming a different message, a different gospel. And so he writes, if you want to follow along, beginning in verse 1, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs. Watch out for those evildoers. Watch out for those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we, we who are the circumcision. It is we who serve God by His Spirit. We who boast in Christ Jesus. And we who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, keeping the law, Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and the participation in His suffering, becoming like Him. In his death 
and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Well, what's the problem here? What's going on? What is it about these dogs, these doers of evil? Well, this is a group that were called the Judaizers. Jews who accepted Jesus as the Messiah, but told Gentiles that they must become Jews in order to be followers of Jesus, to be circumcised, to be righteous. A righteousness, Paul says, based on the law. We learned a little, about, a little bit about these Judaizers uh, from the story Luke told in Acts 15. Verse 1, it says, Certain people came down from Judea, Jerusalem, to Antioch, over in Turkey, and were teaching the believers, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. This is the teaching and Paul counters them in this letter. And we'll see that genuine joy is actually rooted in a correct understanding of the gospel message. That's what Paul is getting at. You want real joy? You, you want true joy? You want genuine joy? Then you need a proper understanding of the gospel. There's a sharp contrast. If you've been with us over the past uh, four weeks... There's a sharp contrast in the tone from chapter 2 where Paul says, Hey, these are my friends. Till you come to chapter 3 when he says, These are evildoers. Why does he do this? Well, he does it to warn the church. In fact, he says to safeguard in verse 3, verse 1, to safeguard the church. Well, what exactly is the issue? Well, the issue was, the issue was circumcision which always gets a sideway glance whenever this is brought up. It's kind of awkward to talk about. But understand the culture. This was part of, this was a sign of the covenant with God in the Old Testament. So in Jewish culture, get this, in Jewish culture, if you refuse circumcision, then that means you are outside the family, outside the family of Hebrews outside the family of God, outside the people of God. Now, the Judaizers who were advocating for circumcision in order to be saved, which in, being included in the covenant people of God, was very controversial in the early church. And Paul is reminding them that salvation, that peace with God, relationship with God, is found in Jesus and what he has done, not in what you have done. You are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Then you live out that salvation following Jesus in obedience. We've talked about this through the earlier messages. Judaizers were calling on these Christians to follow the Mosaic law, at least in following the ritual of circumcision, or uh, for, being, for being included to be saved to have peace with God, to be at peace with God and in relationship and in the family of God. But it is being in Christ plus nothing that saves you. 
Now, Jim, is, is Paul being overly dramatic here? I mean, three times in verse 2, he says, watch out, watch out, watch out. He calls them dogs, scavenging for, in the garbage for food. He calls them evildoers. He calls them mutilators of the flesh. I mean, the irony here is that what the Judaizers say is salvation, Paul says, is actually mutilation. It's actually destructive, damaging. Well, Jim, is this, is this some kind of inconsequential theological argument that Paul is bringing in here? Is this just a squabble? No, it's not. And I'll tell you why it's not. Because it's heresy. To change the meaning of the gospel is heresy, which is why Paul was so adamant in dealing with these people. They were saying, you need to be in Jesus, yeah, but you need something else to be saved. So Paul tells them in verse 3, not to put confidence in the flesh. And then in verse 4 through 6, he demonstrates how he was probably the most religious of the religious that he followed all the religious rules, had all the credentials, had all the I's dotted and all the T's crossed in religion. And about all of that, he says in verse 7 through 8, it was all a loss. He uses, he uses business math terms, loss and gain, loss and gain. He said, in Jesus, that's all loss. Because, verse 9, look at it, righteousness is not found in yourself. Or keeping the law. Now this is how Satan works. He distorts the gospel just enough so it's not the gospel. He's not way off, but just close enough to change it. Just add one thing. Just remove one thing. Remove it because, why would you remove something? Well, because it prevents me from living life the way I want to live it. That's why. Well, why would you add something? Well, because most likely you want to control other behavior, others' behavior. The Judaizers believed Jesus was the Messiah. They believed in the resurrection, but they were adding to the gospel in order to control other people. When you add to the gospel, you lose everything. It becomes nothing. Nothing. Being in Christ, being in Christ alone, saves you, redeems you, brings you into God's covenant family. What's the proper formulation for salvation? Verse 9, be found in Him. Be found in Him. My goal, Paul said, is to know Him and the power of His resurrection. You see, we have no power to save ourselves. But a lot of people seem to think and live their lives on their own thinking that I'll be good enough. I'm certainly not bad. Uh, I, I don't necessarily need God, but I'm sure I'm good enough. How do I know? Or how do you know? Jim, how do you know you have no power to save yourself? How, how do we know that? Well, easy. Try and escape death. Try and escape death. As Bobby said earlier, we've, we've experienced too much of that this year. Show me, show me a person who can escape death. And I will show you somebody who can save herself or himself. Show me somebody who can continue to live forever, and I'll show you somebody who can save herself or himself. 
But there's only one person to ever defeat death, only one who lives forever, only one who can give life forever, the resurrected Lord Jesus. Only He saves. God gives one pathway to salvation, to genuine life. Why? I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm very thankful and genuinely joyful that, that we do know the way. The message is simple, but the implications are profound. Early in the, in the book of Acts, uh, Peter is standing before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court, and, and being told that you are no longer to speak in the name of Jesus. And here's what Jesus said to them in verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Paul would write to the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In Christ. The cross is where Jesus did the work of salvation. The resurrection is the proving of God's promise to eternal life. And then, well, then it's, it's your choice. It's my choice. Either you deny who Jesus is or you repent of your sin and you put confidence in Jesus Christ as Lord. And only He saves. How can you do nothing for the God who gives everything? Being in Christ plus nothing is everything. Paul went on to say in verse 12, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me upward, heavenward, in Christ Jesus. Here's the second thing about genuine joy. It's about progress towards God's goal, not perfection. It's all about progress. Not that I've already reached the goal, Paul said. Not that I'm already perfect, complete, we will always have this natural tendency, this natural pull on us towards sin. And the more we reach for the goal, the more we realize the how much further we have to go, don't we? I do. The older I get, the more I realize how much further I have to go. You never arrive as a follower of Jesus. You never arrive as a disciple, a learner of Jesus. Perfection is not attainable this side of glory. But there is great joy on the spiritual journey that we travel. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Another translation, I press on in order to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Another, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. But many of us give up too easily. We have a tendency to give up easily on everything. 
but especially on spiritual growth. Now, now people will sit down and, and watch YouTube videos for five hours to figure out how to, how to replace a, a toilet in their house. But sit down and, and read or listen to God's Word for five minutes. Well, it's, it's, I'm just really busy today. It's just too hard. That's just too much. The phrase, make every effort, is a, is a phrase used by three different New Testament writers, uh, by the Hebrew writer, by Peter, and also by Paul. Make every effort. Passion. Passion is the degree of difficulty one will endure to reach their goal. How passionate are you really? Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Are you feeling guilty yet? <clears throat> well, good. Maybe you need, to, maybe you need to, to work a little more on this. However, I do want to remind you that Satan is the great reminder. Satan is the great reminder. He loves reminding you of your past in order to keep you from doing in your future, the things you know you need to do. But I want to also remind you that God will never love you more or less than He loves you at this very moment. God's love does not go up and down. God's love is steady for you. No matter what you're doing. Well, what's the goal, Jim? Verse 14 talks about the goal. The goal is to become more like Jesus. You know, I grew up singing the song... More about Jesus would I know. And the more I've, the older I've gotten, I wish they'd written a song, More About Jesus, Let Me Be. That's the goal, to become more like Jesus. It's progress. It's making progress, not perfection. The spiritual journey is like running a marathon. It's like, well, it's not like running a sprint. I'm a master sprinter. In high school, I, I held, if there was such a thing, I held the award for sprinting. Five-yard sprint. I'm the f nobody, nobody could beat me on a five-yard sprint. By ten, by ten, I don't want to talk about the rest of it, but I was a, I was a fabulous five-yard sprinter. But the spiritual life is not a sprint of any length. It is a marathon. And if you run with your head down in a marathon, you will be discouraged because you really don't know where you're going or where you are. And if you keep your eyes focused too far ahead during a marathon, you'll be discouraged as well because you'll feel like you're not getting anywhere real fast. And if you look back in a marathon, you'll be discouraged because, well, that's not where you're going. The way to run a marathon is to keep your eyes focused on the next goal, the next tree, the next stop sign, the next marker. And when you reach it, what do you do? You pick another one. And another one. And another one. Until finally you cross the finish line. That's the goal. Life can be difficult, much like a marathon. Running a marathon isn't easy, and neither is life. It takes discipline. It takes determination. But when you cross the goal, what does it mean? It means you have this sense of completion. You've, you've made it this far. It's all been worthwhile. You're progressing. 
Well, what's the prize, Jim? Verse 14 talks about a prize. Well, the prize, the prize is definitely not salvation. This is often misinterpreted. But Paul didn't pursue salvation, Romans 9, verse 30. You're not running for salvation. The prize is the fulfillment of pursuing the goal of becoming more like Jesus. That's the prize. Salvation is the free gift of grace. And you're certainly not running away from it. Jesus wants to save you. But you should run because of your salvation. It's about progress. It's about maturity. It's about Christ's likeness, not about perfection. And so Paul wrote in verse 20 of chapter 3, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like His Glorious body. I love the analogy of citizenship. It's an analogy that goes very deep in the Philippians' lives and their culture because the Philippians were proud Roman citizens. Philippi was an outpost of the Roman Empire. It was a colony of the Roman Empire. It was actually in Greece or Macedonia. It was a Roman community in Macedonia. People often waited for news to come from Rome. They were proud Roman citizens. What Paul is conveying here is that the church is an outpost of the heavenly kingdom. That the church is a community in the world belonging to God where God reigns as king. We are heaven-bound people, and we should be proud in the sense that we boast in God, our Savior. And when God completes His work, He will complete us. He will glorify us. We will be just like him. But until then, here's the challenge. There's progress to be made. Let your aim be to let Christ reign in you as we stand together and sing this song. Thanks for listening. Again, I want to encourage you to visit southplains.info. There you'll find event calendars, important announcements, ways to give, and to request prayer. Thank you for joining us.